This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Locked on to the Dallas Mavericks and Houston Rockets. My name is Nick Engstead, host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast, and joining me, multiple time guest, crossover friend, the uh, the hair stare, the one more thing, King. What you got for me, Jackson Gatlin? <laughs> the hair stare. What was that? Oh man, this is this is throwing me off. I, I know my listeners are going to be thrown off by this intro, but I appreciate the uh, the titles. I appreciate you giving me the one more thing moniker. I'll do my best to live up Subbing to Isaac's uh, w- one more thing stuff this episode. No, really excited to talk about Rockets, Mavericks. These are two teams going in very different directions right now during their life cycle in the NBA. Mavericks have having you know playoff aspirations, you know wanting to be a championship caliber team surrounding Luka Doncic. The Rockets at the bottom of the NBA right now grinding their way back up, cultivating talent. Uh, but there's a lot of different storylines following these two teams. Yeah, yeah. And it, the game may not necessarily matter a lot, but I think these two teams and the direction they're in and what, they, what they're trying to do right now, what's the Rockets' long-term vision? And, of course, let's just start here with, with Jalen Green. We'll talk about him. We'll talk about uh, how he's looked because he had a phenomenal game the other night. Thanks for making Locked On Mavs and Locked On Rockets your first listen every single day. Remember, Locked On Mavs and Rockets are both free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. But we're just like, we're just like dominating YouTube right now. Both of us, we're just like killing it right now. Yeah, these are the best YouTube shows out there. Subscribe to our channels, like the videos, appreciate it. All right, Jalen Green. Let's start with him because it's just been, it's been awesome to watch him, and especially the other night he went off for thirty, uh, was almost like destroyed. Who's it? Mike Muscala almost destroyed Mike Muscala's life the other night. Uh, tell me about Jalen Green. What we should watch for for Jalen Green tonight? What makes him an exciting player and one of the? What? Why do you think he's the future of the Rockets? Basically. So I think you know when when you were looking at Jalen Green coming into the draft and everything, he's just an absolute bona fide scorer. Can score at all three levels. That never was really a question about his game. But then you also look at he's just he's an absolutely freak athlete. Can jump out of the gym and electric lightning quick first step and you put all those different tools together and just watching how fluid he is offensively how easy how natural the game comes to him there was no question that he was going to be an elite scorer at the NBA level and this is the first game this season just three games in he's already dropped 30 points uh three games into his NBA career and I heard that's a record that that is a well. Uh, there, there's another guy that only took three games to uh, <laughs> to drop 30 points in his NBA career. One Michael Jordan. So I mean, wow. people, have tr- people have already thrown out the comparisons there between MJ and Jalen Green. Uh, I'm not going to go so far as to do that quite just yet. It's cool to be mentioned in the same breath as as the uh, I won't say undisputed goat. I want to. I don't want to upset people on your show. I mean, but, everything is disputed at this point, right? Like- yeah. Absolutely. That's the irony of the undisputed show. It's like they literally dispute everything, right? Like that's, that's <laughs> right? The whole, the whole that's premise. The whole part of it. No, I, I mean, Jalen, you know, he really finally put it together. And the biggest question for him was going to be getting that outside shot to start to fall, right? He struggled in the first two games of the season, even though he almost ended Mike Muscala's career against the Thunder. <laughs> he, he struggled in that game with his efficiency, but he went 
absolutely bonkers against the Boston Celtics. Eight of 10 from deep on the way to 30 points. Has a, had a couple vicious slams in that game, really kind of showing all the different parts of his offensive repertoire and getting those three-point looks in a bunch of different ways, right? He was getting them off dribble handoffs. He was getting them off curls. He was playing off ball. He was, you know, pulling into him. He was having uh, his dribble step backs. Like, I mean, so many different, a, a completely different variety of ways to get to each of those eight three-point shots. It just sounds <laughs> ridiculous to say he drilled eight threes in just the third NBA game ever. So watching him, I mean, the ball is going to be in his hands, I think, a bit more moving forward. I think they found that getting him some more touches and kind of letting him get into his rhythm, Kevin Porter Jr. took a bit of a step back, and that allowed Jalen Green to really flourish in this game. So that's going to be one thing to look for is, does Jalen Green handle the rock a bit more against the Mavericks, seeing as how it found so much success against the Celtics? That's the thing about Jalen Green, though, right, is he can hit eight threes in a game. He can d destroy somebody with a dunk. He can just – the wide range of, of like – tools in his bag basically are just like stretched so far and he just has such a huge potential is there anything that's changed as far as like because at the beginning i asked you like what what about jalen green makes him the, the future of the franchise it's basically you give him you give me like the scouting report from the draft basically has anything changed from when you were looking at draft footage or you're watching him when he first got you know drafted by the rockets to now is there anything that you're like oh i didn't know he had this or he doesn't have that and everyone said he would have that I think it's got to be his playmaking. Um, we we saw it a bit on display in summer league. It's the, just kind of like the beginnings of it, little flashes here and there. And through these first three three games, even in this game with the thirty point explosion, I think the thing that's going to make Jalen Green eventually a future superstar talent is he's got the scoring ability. That's absolutely there. It's in his bag. He's going to be a he's going to lead the NBA in scoring one day. Period. That's happening. Ooh. The ability to playmake, though, is what's going to take his great game from great to all-time great. Because as he learns to be able to create for his teammates and get more comfortable in that aspect of his game, learning to draw in defenses, all the gravity that he's going to create on a night-to-night, game-to-game basis, he's going to be able to create for his teammates. It's about establishing those reads, and we're already seeing that in small little flashes here and there. He's getting more comfortable, kind of snaking through pick-and-rolls. He's developed a really good relationship with Daniel Tice on the floor as his role man, being able to find him multiple times for certain different feeds for gotta love a good role man gotta, gotta love a guy love a that rolls role. and kind of nothing else <laughs> hey man I, i'm i'm sure that i'm sure that's a jab at somebody on the mavericks i'm just gonna put that out there i'm guessing that's what he that may is maybe canadian <laughs> anyways um i think that's absolutely the part of jalen green's game that is going to grow over time but has already impressed me through these early you know first three rockets games that's usually the next step for for a player like that, right? Is to become that playmaker. James Harden sort of had to do that too. He became that. He became a bona fide scorer, and then he had to take that next level as a distributor, getting people involved and all that kind of stuff. Which is it's awesome to see that that is sort of the next step for him. It's like that efficiency and then getting people involved because those are just next level, high level things for a player to do. Uh, all right, we, I have to ask you about this. How's our boy Steven Silas? We miss him up here in, in Dallas, up the, up the highway. Uh, quickly tell me what's up with Steven Silas and how, how have you liked him as a coach so far? You know, I, I think that Rockets fans, if, if I had to go to like 
the two biggest overreactions so far. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll just drop out three and then I'll focus on Silas. It's Kevin Porter Jr. is not the point guard of the future. Um, Alper and Shingun should be starting and he's like the second coming of Jokic, which I think he's talented, but I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on some of these takes. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> and then um, Steven Silas should be fired. Like those are like the three consistent like overreactionary rock already that I get. Already. Like people are just up in arms. are like his rotations are bad. He doesn't know what he's doing. All this stuff. Steven Silas is great. He's, he's an insightful coach. He's transparent. He's very upfront with you. He answers questions so well. Um, I asked him a question about minutes distribution the other day, and uh, I didn't get clapped back at, which was great. I so have to apologize that you felt that he should have played more. <laughs> um, no, and Silas even uh, we, we <laughs> Silas spoke at Rockets uh, practice, uh, you know, a little bit earlier today, and he actually. Uh, spoke a little bit about Luka Doncic and basically said Luka is a basketball savant, right? You know, going back into this game, you know, going up to Dallas, um, saying kind of be comparing those generational type players. Um, you know, somebody asked him about what it was like coaching Luka and if he's seeing any of those similarities between the early formative years of Luka Doncic and then uh, now Jalen Green. And previously, right, he's had stints with Steph Curry, with LeBron James. And basically his takeaway was for all those guys, there's just a confidence there that is unwavering that those guys understand and know that they are in like the top 1% or top 0.1% of talented players and that they are capable of doing basically of, of bending the basketball game to their will. And it was really cool to see him highlighting, you know, and sharing some of those again, all time great names or in Lucas case going to be a future all time great, right? Alongside the name, a name like Jalen green, who has aspirations to be an all time great. Coming up, we'll get into the Dallas Mavericks. Jackson will grill me, I'm sure, about a lot of things. And I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure Jason Kidd's name will come up a little bit. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. But but before we do that, let me tell you about Direct TV. If you're having a problem watching the Mavericks, and right now, lots of people are having trouble watching the Mavericks. So much so that Mark Cuban himself has decided to pay for certain people's Direct TV streams. Like Direct TV stream streams. He's paying for them right now. Literally go to his Twitter account and look because Direct TV stream is one of the few places you can actually watch Bally Sports Southwest. You can watch the Dallas Mavericks Direct TV stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no more you know, buying another device ever again. The best part, there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV stream. Mark Cuban semi-endorses i guess he's paying for a bunch of people so i guess does that mean he endorses it maybe maybe that's one of those things where retweets doesn't equal endorsements you can learn more at directtv.com again directtv.com compatible device required content varies by package all right jackson gatlin ask me about the dallas mavericks i'm ready oh ready I and love i'm ready and prepared for all all queries i'm ready for your... i have to apologize that you felt that he should have played more i'm ready <laughs> i'm never gonna get tired of that drop <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get to jason kidd in a second because how can i not right with with <laughs> with just everything that's been going on with the mavericks but i want to start with you just what has been i mean we're just two games into the Mavericks season one and one you lose the opener against atlanta you win kind of a bit of a tightly contested game against the raptors what are your biggest fan overreactions that you've seen so far? What are the, some of the common like two, three threads that you just see on repeat from Mavericks fans about this current team? Oh, the scapegoat has already become Jason Kidd. Like from game one, it was Jason Kidd doesn't know what he's doing. He's still a bad coach. He hasn't learned anything from his time in Brooklyn and Milwaukee. And he's the exact same guy. And he's 
the, the offense that he's trying to run with Dwight Powell and Chris Ops together isn't working. And we, we laid out a couple of points about that in our, our Monday episode about how when you have two bigs like that, both of them kind of want to do similar things. It just doesn't work on the floor right now. And everybody's still trying to figure out their role. Again, it's super early, but the offense that the Mavericks have been putting out, like the offensive production has just been so bad for the team that they are. This was a team that was averaging like 116 points per 100 possessions the last couple of days, last couple of seasons. And now they're at like 86 for the first game and like 90 something for the second. It's just like, it's just been so, the offense has been so bad and guys are missing open shots and things like that. So the numbers maybe are a little bit worse than what they should be, but that Jason Kidd cannot lead a team is basically the, the, that's the take that I've seen from a lot of people. And I have questions and I have concerns about it, but yeah, that's the big one. And then there's some, obviously some little ones where the Reggie Bullock stuff is continuing to be brought up all the time. And, you know, we'll continue to talk about that as the season goes on. So, so it seems like everything's kind of stimming back to obviously the Jason Kidd situation, but I, I guess just as far as the offense goes, I mean, is it what specifically has he just completely uprooted? Because when you have a guy that's as talented as Luka Doncic and you know, has worked well with kind of a heliocentric offense with Luca kind of controlling everything. What exactly, what exact changes has he put in that has kind of halted the progress of that, you know, at one time, greatest offense in NBA history? <laughs> it was. What what Rick Carlisle did was he put Christoph Porzingis and Maxi Kleba out there together as the two bigs. Maxi Kleba is a 40% three-point shooter. Christoph Porzingis is a pretty decent three-point shooter. They can stretch the floor, space the floor. And that created a lot of space for Luka to work and to operate. And everybody out there could shoot a three. And everybody out there can, you know, uh, can take threes. And some of them pull up threes and things like that. So there's just a lot of options on offense. And what Jason Kidd wanted to do was that he's like, all right, I'm coming in. I'm, I'm new. I'm going to start Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell has started next to KP before every once in a while, but it it's hard for that to work because Dwight Powell does one thing and one thing really, really well. And that's roll to the rim. And he's an elite rim roller. And that's why he's been in the league for so long. And he's really good at that. But it makes it difficult when the other thing Jason Kidd came in and said he wanted to do was to promote Christoph Porzingis and empower Christoph Porzingis to not just be a stand in the corner guy. He, Jason Kidd has said that on multiple occasions, basically, you know, verbally subtweeting Rick Carlisle for putting Christoph Porzingis in the corner during the playoffs against the Clippers. He's been, he's been doing that many times. And so we take that and we're like, okay, he wants to do both of those things. He wants to start Dwight Powell because he is a veteran, a leader on the team and everybody likes him. The, apparently the, the Mavericks voted on who they think should start. And Dwight was one of the ones that they voted. And you're like, okay, I, First of all, who made this poll? <laughs> like, all right, you need you need an "I love democracy" drop from Star Wars. Like, just <laughs> I am the Senate. There we go. Uh, that was my. That's, that's, that's Jason. That's Jason Kidd right now. That was he my is verbal the drop. And so he wants to do both those things. He wants to promote Christoph Porzingis, and he also wants to play Dwight Powell. And those two things, they're having a hard time coexisting in those, both of those two things. I think Dwight Powell is. You know, still a good rim roller, still can do those things. But with Christoph Porzingis is playing at the same time, it just clogs up some of the area that Christoph Porzingis wants to operate and that they need to get him the ball. And so that's why it hasn't been working so far. Plus, early stuff, missed open shots, all that kind of stuff. How is ex-Rocket Sterling Brown looking through two games? Oh. In preseason, we were like, yes, we're all for Sterling Brown. He just looked like he could do a little bit. He, he could do a little bit of everything, basically, right? Like, he can defend on the perimeter. He's pretty strong. He can uh, hold up against guys in the post. He can hit the three. He's got a little bit of, he, like, his basketball instincts and passing have been pretty good. And so we're like, okay, we're, I'm feeling it. We're like, all right, we got somebody that can be in the rotation. And the la the first couple of games, Jason Kidd has run basically a playoff rotation where Luka's getting 38 minutes a game. Dorian's playing, like, 35 minutes a game. And 
it's been Reggie Bullock and you know Sterling Brown that have, have kind of played less minutes. Sterling Brown's played like 10 minutes the first two games. Bullock, like 15 minutes the first two games. How many and minutes so, would you like to see Reggie Bullock playing, I have Nick? to apologize that you felt that he should have played more. Which is where this drop comes from, because I asked Jason Kidd about Reggie Bullock, and then you can go to my Twitter, at Nick Van Exit, and you can see the video of how he responded to me asking about Reggie Bullock's uh, playing time. So I would ask the same thing about Sterling Brown. Why are, why are both these guys not, getting, not playing more? Because these were the big offseason acquisitions, and they've been relegated to a lower part in the rotation, at least from what I've seen. Okay, so so Sterling Brown through two games, excited in the preseason, through two games hasn't looked as good or just just you know, hasn't played as much. He just hasn't okay. been been used as much. I think he's been fine. His shot hasn't gone down. Neither has Bullocks, but I think that both of those guys are going to be. I hope I hope they're going to be big parts of the rotation because that's when and it all stems back to Jason Kidd wanting to play two bigs. He plays Dwight and KP together. He plays Willie Colley Stein and Maxi together. And then all of a sudden, there's less room for some of these wing guys to play. And so then all of a sudden, guys just start getting pushed down the pecking order. And so it all kind of stems back from that decision. Apparently, in practice today, Jason Kidd said they were trying out different lineups. So if Reggie Bullock comes out and plays 38 minutes, I'm going to be like the, the smartest guy in Mavs media, I think, right? Like everybody's going to go back and pull that clip and be like, well, I guess, I guess Nick was right. And he should have played more minutes, which I really hope happens because that'll be suddenly really, instead of getting really dunked on, you're just like, you're, you're suddenly the innovator of <laughs> Mavs media. I love that for you. No, that's great. He, suge he suggested the lineup change. Nick Ang said, this is his story. Oh, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, who, who do you have right now in your eyes as the most underrated player on this Mavericks team? Cool. Well, according to Mavs fans right now, it's Reggie Bullock because they're like, well, he's looked trash the first two games. So is he even good? But underrated player. Um, man, it, it, I think it, I think it may be Tim Hardaway. Well, can it be Luca? Can it just be Luca again? Because how, okay. How, how is Luca underrated in your opinion? Because then? Luca's the best offensive player in the NBA. Luca is an, an incredible offensive player. He can get any shot he wants. And when it's falling, it's just on, he's unstoppable because he can, he's, he's nailed down the mid range over the last couple of years in the post when he's got space, which he has in the first couple of games. But when in the post, when he's got space, he can finish over smaller guards that Patrick Beverly stuff in the playoffs, when he just completely like derailed the rest of his career and sent him off to Minnesota, the tundra, like that was, was Luka Doncic you, just dominating. So are you, so are you, that's, Hmm. Who's better? I'm not, like, I'm not Who's a better offensive player right now? You can't like. Yeah, I would. Someone... I I think I would take KD if we're talking sp like purely just like buckets offensively. But if we're talking like in all encompassing, yeah, like as far as facilitating for your teammates too, I think I would. I think it's right there between. Has Luca surpassed James Harden? That's that's the biggest question. I mean, James Harden with these new rules, maybe. I'm sure <laughs> Rockets fans have been talking about that, right? The new rules and how James Harden just been relegated to. This so, like the 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 point two game scorer and the, Steve the, Nash's comments. The the Rock Nets fans maybe, um, but <laughs> not, Rock but, Nets but but not the Rockets fans that are you know diehard to true and blue to the team. Um, no, I mean there's not there's not as much James Harden chatter this season, right? Because this season for the Rockets is is a fresh start, uh, new beginnings, all of that exciting new prospect with Jalen Green, yeah. so much young talent on the roster. But no, that's that's where I was taken aback by a little bit because I was thinking, okay, well, does he mean like all encompassing offensively, just getting a bucket offensively? So I had no, a little yeah. bit of pause there. Luca's still an absolutely generational talent. I'm not trying to take anything away. <laughs> you know from who's so maybe maybe he is a little underrated. You know who's averaging the same number of points as James Harden right now? Who? Montrezl Harrell. <laughs> <laughs> their former team former houston rockets teammate, yeah. <laughs> they're tied they're 49 and 50 right now
That's oh awesome. man, what a way to derail a segment. Um, that's no, what we, okay. that's you and you and I come together. Segments just derail. I don't know. What it's it a is. It, but it, but it's like it's a good. It's a positive. It's like a wholesome derailing of a segment. It's not too, it's true. not too chaotic. Um, with that's that true. though, coming up, Nick and I are gonna give you some pointers, some areas that we want to focus on and look for in this upcoming Dallas Mavericks Houston Rockets game. We're gonna get there after a quick message from our friends over at BetOnline.ag because look, we're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before bet online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season head over to their website updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your very first deposit just use promo code locked on to receive your bonus again that's promo code locked on for a 50 percent welcome bonus on your very first deposit from basketball football baseball postseason nhl boxing and ufc right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts we're also brought to you by rockauto.com because look, at the end of the day, if you're a DIY person, why would you want to spend up to 30, 50, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts, right? And if you're if you're going in person to one of the local chain you know, stores, you got to go there, you're going to show up, you're going to talk to the person behind the counter, and they're not even going to have the part that you need in the store, right? They're going to go behind the counter, they say, you know what, we don't actually even carry that, we got to order it for you. Why bother wasting your time doing that when you can just, at home, you got your phone in your pocket, you got your computer, just go to brockauto.com, check out their catalog remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly find the brands and specifications that you need for your car or truck. So easy to figure out exactly what you need. And then when you're checking out, once you've got everything you need in your shopping cart, when you're checking out, be sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Be sure to visit rockauto.com. All right, Jackson Gatlin, I know you love the bumper music. <laughs> I love it. Big I got to give me some Locked on Rockets bumper music. This is nice. Big fan of the bumper music. All right, let's get into a little bit of this game. But first, I actually have one more question for you that I didn't get a chance to ask. Yeah, uh, sure. What's up with John Wall and Eric Gordon? Are they getting traded? Is there a trade still on the horizon for the Rockets? Are we seeing these guys getting you know, shipped out of town? It just seems like they're just kind of hanging out. And they, they like we didn't even talk about him. And John Wall was like, a, what, 20 and 10 last year? Last I checked... Um, you, you're not allowed to trade assistant coaches, or maybe you can, right? Didn't Doc Rivers technically get traded to the Clippers like way back you when? You can trade like coaches, yeah. Doc, yeah, for it was the KG Doc Rivers trade, right? <laughs> That's right. Okay, maybe so. Maybe you can trade an assistant coach. No, um, look the where things are at right now is that was probably the biggest storyline going into the season for the Rockets. Is okay. Yeah. What's first off? What's going on with John Wall? And then two, oh my God, John Wall's sitting and is is not going to participate in the season. Um, he's still in and around the team. He's still there at the games. He's still supporting the guys on the bench. He's still a, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, what the organization envisions, a big part of this growing process for the young core. But they just came to the conclusion that it was best thing for them to, you know, part ways or not really part ways, but for him to sit out and they're looking for a trade partner. Do I think that they find one? Honestly, no. I, I think that John Wall probably just winds up sitting out the majority of the season, if not all of it. And they revisit this topic next offseason. I will say Eric Gordon has looked really good through these first three games. And he's now back in this role that he once occupied before as like a sixth man, you know, guy spark plug off the bench. And if they can continue to kind of showcase Eric Gordon and what he can bring to, uh, you know, uh, an aspiring contender. I wouldn't be shocked to see Eric Gordon's name be in some serious trade rumors around the deadline because he's on a very team-friendly deal. He can absolutely be a guy that can win team, you a playoff friendly, game. Team-friendly for who, though? I mean, he's making, what, $18 million this year, 19 and a half next year, and then 
21 million the year after that. I mean, final year of his contract's not guaranteed. So okay, that's, uh, that's more friendly. Getting more friendly. Two, basically on a two-year deal. And for again, for the good version of Eric Gordon, which he's a relatively consistent player, a little inconsistent from behind the arc in recent seasons. He's kind of like that volume streaky three-point shooter, but when he's on, he's borderline all-star caliber player. He gives you plus level defense on that side of the basketball. He can be the guy that could swing a playoff series for you. And so I think there may be some teams looking at that depending on how he looks health-wise and how his production looks headed into the all-star break. Interesting. All right, let's focus on this game tonight. Uh, All right, the Houston Rockets are not like the Thunder, right? They're not just going to roll over and like the Mavericks are going to destroy them by like 30, right? No, not not at all. You know, this Rockets team is really interesting because they do have kind of a, 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 a strange mix of like the young talent and then like the veterans on their roster. Right. And I think that's been the thing we've kind of seen so far is you, you've got uh, <laughs> the guys born got- in the 2000s and the guys born in the. <laughs> 80s and 90s, right? There you go, right? The guy's born in the 1900s. Um, so uh, you, you've got Daniel Tice in the starting lineup. You've got Jay Sean Tate and Christian Wood, who aren't veterans by any stretch of the imagination, but have obviously a little bit more NBA experience under their belt, a little bit more professional basketball experience with Tate playing overseas and everything. They're both 25, 26 years old. Um, Former Mavericks two- legend Christian Wood, by the way. There you go. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) And then off the bench, they're mixing in a solid number of veterans. They've got Eric Gordon coming off the bench, DJ Augustine. They're kind of uh, in between David Nwaba and Daniel Huss Jr. as like their ninth, tenth man off the bench. And then uh, future NBA superstar Alperin Shingun as well Mm. coming off the bench. So they're not the thunder in the sense that they're trotting out a a full-blown like developmental squad uh, with SGA. Like that's not the case. Shout out to Ryland Stiles who listens to this show every single day. Oh, I'm sure Ryland's gonna love that soundbite from me. Um, no, I, I was look. I was very compl- close to locked on thunder. What was I complimentary of the thunder in my in my Rockets thunder recap? I don't think I was. Anyways, <laughs> I think I think I just I think I just kept rubbing salt in the wound about the fact that the Rockets didn't uh, convey like a pick thir- swap to OKC. Beat by like thirty. It was a uh, it was a beatdown, and SGA uh, got put in clamps multiple possessions by Jay Sean Tate and Alper and Shingun. But it's not gonna be like that. Like the Rockets are going to be a team that is competitive. Like, I think they're going to be that, that frustrating team come mid season where teams are going to look at them on the calendar and be like, Ugh, like we got to deal with the yeah. Rockets. Like, cause they're going to, they're going to put up a ton of points, but they're going to struggle at times defensively. And that's exactly what happened against the Celtics. They, they, you know, had a competitive first half and the Celtics just pulled away in that third quarter because they were the veteran, more experienced team. They clamped down defensively. Um, but it's going to be a fun game between the Rockets and Mavericks. Like there's going to be a ton of points scored between these two teams. Well, maybe not the Mavericks with the 86 offensive rating, but. Oh my gosh. I, I hope so. I hope this is the game. The Mavericks offense just, just like balls out finally and hit their open threes and all that. I'm fascinated to see either like the KP versus Sangoon. Like if we get any kind of, of matchup between those two, I'm fascinated to see what that'll look like because uh, one-on-one, I feel like KP will get his lunch handed to him. Uh, if there's any kind of like help stuff, I feel like KP is, has been a lot better on defense this year, but still the, he hasn't played a one-on-one post score like, like Sangoon yet. So here's my, here's my question though. And this could be an area that, that KP could maybe take advantage of is, and how I mean, how well does he actually use his size? Because the Rockets' front court is tiny. You got Christian Wood at six ten, but he's also like a like a skinny six ten. You've got Shingun who's only six nine, and then you've got Daniel Tice who's six eight. So they do not have a lot of size in that front court whatsoever. So is that something that KP is going to be able to take advantage of, or am I completely off base here? No, not at all. Like this is <laughs> this is this is something that he has just struggled with his whole career, and now even more so, he's struggling with. Like Gary Trent Jr. was guarding him on several possessions against the the Raptors, and he couldn't get a clean shot off. Like he airballed a a 
He airballed a post-up turnaround fadeaway against Gary Trent Jr. And you're just like, okay, what what are we trying to do here? He didn't try to get any better position. He just turned around, faded away, and he airballed the shot. I don't know if Gary Trent got a finger on it, but Gary Trent's what, 6'5"? And so it, that, that's that been the problem. And it's one of the reasons why KP was relegated to the playing in the corner on offense against the Clippers, because they have all those wings. And so you put a wing on him. OJ Ananobi did did great on, on KP the other day, blocked one of his fadeaways, which is insane. You block a seven foot three guy's fadeaway shot. That, that's pretty impressive for a guy like that. But yeah. You know I, what you need to do? You need to take the, the Gary Trent Jr. and you just need to keep shrinking him like the one post of like Trey Young getting smaller and smaller and smaller <laughs> against Ben Simmons. And you just need to keep shrinking Gary Trent Jr. until he's uh, like an ant next to next to KP. That's been a big point of frustration, though, just for KP's game. Like, how can he get a shot on his own when you're like, OK, well, let's try to put him in the post. And you always hear Shaq and Barkley say, he's seven foot three. You've got to put him in the post. He got to take advantage of the little guy. And he just can't like he's just not. It's not part of his game at this point. So I don't think that size is going to be an issue at all for the Rockets. How have the minutes looked when Luka is off the floor? Yeah, as of right now, they've, they've been trying to, at least through the first two games, they've been trying to run a combination of of like Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr., and KP together. And they've, they've tried to run this. Brunson has actually done pretty well when Luka's off the floor. He's had a pretty good start to the season. Uh, he's had some decision-making issues where he's missing guys on on passes and things like that. That's a, that's the real next level of his game to be a secondary creator is to not only just look for his own shot, but to be able to get other guys involved and to find passes that you, that are not just like the the first look. Like if you're talking about a, a quarterback, you have the different reads. You have read one, you know, all the way down to like five or however many options he has. Quit like pretending he, like you know football. He gets through. I know, I just, but he gets, <laughs> he gets through like the first read and then he's like, okay, I'm going for my shot. You're like, okay, well, like go through the rest of your reads. Like think about where all the rest of the players are on the court. Part of it is also going to be this, this scheme. It's a little bit different than what Carlisle was running. And so guys aren't in the exact spots anymore that, that they've, he's been used to the first three years of his career. But Brunson's the, like the, the straw that stirs the drink basically for that second unit. Hmm. Okay. Until Dragic is released from Toronto and the <laughs> Mavericks can finally get him. That's, that's been the big thing. Is your money still on that happening this season? Is that your If gut it doesn't feeling? happen, the Mavs might be the trade for for a John Wall. <laughs> right? Maybe not. I mean, I, I mean, okay. What even what even salary would they be able to package together for a John Wall deal? Let's see. again, Let's Eric see. Eric Gordon's a little bit more uh, palatable. That one's definitely that more palatable. There. But right now, they're not using Rich Bullock, so I'm not you sure. Say it's more palpable. Come on, Nick. Palatable. Palatable. Palatable is a word. Palpable is a word. Is the palatable ma- not a word? All right, well, whatever. I guess no. You know they're what? both this words. Is- I think we use them in the correct way. Both of them. Uh, I mean, okay, they, they, well, they I'm could so send proud of us. <laughs> Dwight making eleven. They could send Bullock making nine point five. They could send Willie Colley Stein making four. Like they'd have to combine so many of these. <laughs> Willie Colley Stein making four. Trey Burke making three million. What are we you at just now? Send, just send Luca. <laughs> <laughs> that was like I just named four players and we got to like twenty five million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not happening. It, it, unless, it's Gordon, K, unless it's KP, unless they just decide at the end of the day that the KP thing is not worth it, and they're like, "All right, we're just going to move on." When does KP's contract run out? KP has a player option in the 23-24 season. Oh yeah, nope, not. Oh, wouldn't wouldn't want to do that. What are they, what are the Rockets going to do until then? It's it's that off season though. Right now, the way their contracts are all teed up and the way that they've got their rookie scale deals in place, that 2023 off season has a chance for them to be major players in the free agency market. And depending on how the development looks of this young core, they could make a splash. Right, bring in some guy, you know, who whoever the the big name free agents are on that free agency list so that much, summer. 
so much hope. So we, we did this. Hey. We did this for two years in a row. So much hope of like they got Luca and they got this young star and they got this cap space hey, hey, and they're gonna bring in a player and like been look, there. Look, you guys been did there. it. You guys did it for a few years. Just call me Patrick Beverly because the next five years are mine. Okay, like just hey, seriously. how'd that work out for him? He's in hey. Minnesota. We're not going to talk about that, okay? No. <laughs> um, let's let's get we're, we're, we're we already derailed one segment, okay? We can't derail this one. Like, let's get back to the actual game. <laughs> like, what what other key points of this game we're we looking forward to? I'm interested to see if Jalen Green has like that rookie like fallback and like comes back down to earth because he had nine points the first two games of the season, exploded for thirty. Does he just like come back down and like does he have like twelve points this next game or does he have another like twenty plus outing where he looks really solid? Like, is he about to start? stringing together some really consistent performances where we're going to be like, oh, oh, okay, this is why this guy was in talks to maybe go number one overall over Cade because he's really got the, like, it factor. Yeah, it just depends on if his shot is falling, essentially, right? Like, (laughs) that seems to be the case right now as far as his, if he's going to go off for a certain number of points. If his shot's falling, then he's good to go. The Mavericks have been giving up some some open threes, so this could be the case for him. Uh, I also can see him attacking and attacking Porzingis, and I could see him dunking on Porzingis as well. Uh, what kind of KP's, KP's been trying again to block guys when he didn't last year. <laughs> what what kind of that, that reminds me? I wanted to ask what kind of defensive scheme have the Mavs been running? Are they kind of in a drop coverage? Are they switching things? How does that look right now? Yeah, no, they're not switching stuff at least up until this point. They've been they still are in the drop a little bit, especially with, with Dwight and KP. That's just sort of the way that they, the Mavs have always played, and so they've they've kept that, and we're. Yeah, just chasing guys around the perimeter, basically <laughs> fighting through screen. They 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 switch a they switch a little bit, I guess, on those wings uh, through screens and things. But uh, yeah, not too much. But uh, hmm. yeah, there you go. We'll be watching Mavs Rockets. If you want to go listen to Locked On Rockets, if you like the Rockets for some reason and you're watching the Mavs, go ahead. That's a fun team. They got a lot of good. Like all you have, so many guys born in the year 2000. Was, was what eight? Kevin Porter Jr., Kenya Martin Jr. Josh Christopher, Jalen Green. They have four 19-year-olds on the roster. Deshaun so. Nix, Garuba, and then Sangoon, who we've been talking about. The youngest guy on the roster. The Mavs only didn't have even, one, I think, in, in Josh Green. We didn't even get to spend a lot of time. Oh, you know what? It was uh who who was it? The yo who was it that holds the rookie record for threes? Because this came up during the Rockets game when Jalen was going off. Oh, for uh, most threes? Yogi, Yogi Farrell. Holds the record still? Yeah, for for nine made three pointers as a rookie. Oh, let's go! Was that that port? That was that Portland game, right? <laughs> See, there you go. Gotta... I'm glad I was able to bring that up because yeah, that I was, was like an amazing through. time in Mavs media history. It was like it was like Jalen like got to like five or six made threes, and then Rockets PR started like telling like sending out the tweets like, okay, these are the these are the rookie record holders, and I was like, Yogi Ferrell, okay, I'll, I'll be sure yeah. to mention him to Nick. <laughs> he was playing at Portland. That was that was like the the peak of Yogi mania right there. Uh, the, the crazy thing, so quick Yogi story, we'll finish. But the crazy thing about that was, like, that was his fourth game with the Mavericks. He had started with the, he started with Brooklyn. He was undrafted. Then he came over to the Mavericks. And Carlisle never plays rookies, right? That's kind of been his whole thing. The only rookies he ever played were uh, Dennis Smith Jr. because he had to. <laughs> uh, and then Jalen Brunson and, Luke, and Luka, obviously. And so he brings in... He brings in Yogi Ferrell. Everybody's injured. That was when the Mavericks had uh, Darren Williams as their starting point guard. Darren Williams was out. There's a bunch, like J.J. Bure, I think, was out too. A bunch of guys were out. And, like, Yogi starts the next day. He joins the team and starts the next day against San Antonio. And uh, looked okay. And then, like, four games later, he has that crazy 9-3 game at, at Portland. It was just, like, this wild, like, what is happening? And then at the end of that season, Tony Romo was on the Mavs, like, 
layup line. It was an official Maverick for the day. And it was like, Oh, I remember that. That was so what a, <laughs> like, what a weird season. That was just like the weirdest season ever, but that's the Yogi Ferrell, Yogi mania. Great that guy. Love, love talking to drunk. him. He has the, like, he's, he's very like small, compact person, right? Cause he's only what five something, uh, huge biceps, just like stick out. He's killing it in the guns game. Just swole for days. And that's how we end the show, talking about Yogi Ferrell's <laughs> biceps. What a way. What how, a way to wrap up a how podcast. How else did you expect this to end? Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Go listen, subscribe to our YouTube channels, and uh, we'll be back. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow. But I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but... If you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.